From the boardroom to the metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I, Paul Dewalibi, the master of the metaverse, will lead you through the biggest business stories in the metaverse. Join us as we break down the news and trends from a C-suite lens, bringing you insights, analysis, and discussion that you can't find anywhere else every single week. Welcome to Meta Business. Welcome to episode four of the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul, master of the metaverse, Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend, my co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. None other than Jeff the Juice Cohen, I should say. Jeff, you're you're famous now. I, I, I have people is, telling me how much they love the juice. This is everything I ever wanted. It's, uh, <laughs> my now career has been made. <laughs> yeah, for those of you guys who are new here, just a little reminder, because the podcast is new. What we do here is we cover all the biggest stories uh, that intersect the worlds of business and what we're calling the metaverse or people are calling Web3. Uh, so a real focus on the business news and stories coming from uh, the metaverse and Web3 worlds and everything that intersects sort of blockchain and gaming. So if this is what you're interested in, you're in the right place and we welcome you. Jeff, we've got a ton of news to cover this week. Some some holdover themes from last week. Um, so there's you know similar players in the news this week, and and I think we should start with maybe I, I don't know if this is the biggest news this week, but I thought it was the most interesting. And the picture uh, here is definitely the most interesting. Let me let me share this screen here for those who are watching. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry you don't get to see this. Um, but, but this is Nike in the news and, and the headline here was Nike just bought a virtual shoe company that makes NFTs and sneakers for the metaverse. Uh, the company is called, I, I'm going to pronounce it. It's not the way it's spelled. It's called artifact art, but it's spelled R T F K T. Uh, they make shoes too, except they only exist digitally. These are NFTs. Uh, they are digital shoes that are designed to be worn <laughs> digitally in the metaverse. Um, Jeff, what do you make of this acquisition? I guess, what are some of the big thoughts? This is Nike's first, you know, we, we talked about Nike land last week, but this is the first acquisition I think that they've done that it touches the metaverse, right? Like they, they have done some things that are more web three, mm -hmm. that are more metaverse related. Um, but this is the first sort of acquisition Nike has made. Is this a sign of the times that Nike is making acquisitions in this space? I think, yeah. I mean, it's 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 very interesting. And you know, who would have thought that uh, when when sort of metaverse kind of started becoming a big buzzword that one of the kind of most forward leaning companies in this space of the non endemics, I would say, has really been Nike. I mean, they were pretty early with the Roblox. Uh, Nike land, and now they're really taking a big step uh, with this this artifact acquisition. And um, it's impressive the pace at which they've moved for such a large company to be innovative and be entering the space. Um, and I do feel a bit vindicated. I think we talked about this actually on the last uh, on the last podcast. How you know I think I had made a comment how what they were doing with Nike land was very interesting, but I would get more excited when they started kind of positioning it as hey rather than have it be a virtual space where we do brand advertisements and try to sell physical shoes in the, in the IRL world, have it be, Hey, we're just trying to sell you digital shoes. I kind of thought that was where this was headed. Eventually. I, I didn't think that it would be six days kind of after I said <laughs> that. So 
I guess, kudos to me for, for calling that <laughs> your, some of your prognostication skills are rubbing off on me potentially, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting, uh, acquisition for sure. Let me, let me just, I, I want to bring up sort of two things that were in this article that I, I want to push a little bit. So first of all, it says that the company claimed in February, they did a collaboration with teenage artist Fawocious, not ferocious, Fawocious, to sell real sneakers paired with virtual ones. And they managed to sell supposedly 600 pairs slash NFTs in just six minutes, netting over 3.1 million, which is you know, nothing to, nothing to scoff at, right? That's a substantial amount of revenue in six minutes of time. Um, what's interesting though, is that in this article, they mentioned that, I'll, I'll, I'll read you precisely what they say here. It says, it's not clear if any of these digital items are worth as much now. Uh, looking on OpenSea and Nifty Gateway, I see a number of them are either listed for or have recently sold for less than their original prices. And so, sort of interesting data point here that the NFTs that were sold as part of that February sort of drop um, have not appreciated in value. Now, that's not, you know, that's obviously hasn't been the case with the entire NFT yeah. market. There's plenty that have appreciated in value substantially. But I also find it interesting that it doesn't mention what the value of the physical sneakers have done. Because if you look at the physical sneaker market, right, just about anything limited edition has shot through the roof in terms of price over the last couple of years, right? The sneaker market's maybe the only other market other than NFTs and crypto that mm -hmm. has seen, and maybe luxury watches that have seen such a massive, you know, appreciation in value. I guess I have a question here. Is this the perfect intersection of physical and digital, right? Like are sneakers the holy grail for NFTs in your mind because of the hype around the physical product also? Or does that not matter? And is the proof that the NFT, the NFT versions of the physical shoes have not appreciated in value, right? Is, is, I, I don't, do you see what I'm saying? I don't here? think they're the perfect. I don't think they're perfect. I mean, I think for me, the most interesting digital goods are, are ones that have use like in games. Like I'm not sure cosmetics, you know, cosmetics clearly have value in games. That's been proven time in and time out with, with cosmetic economies and games. However, I think, you know, digital items like swords or guns that have actual power within games and can, can kind of help you win, I think will always be potentially more interesting and hold more value. Um, however, I do think you make, bring up a great point just in terms of the sneaker culture. Like, I think it is one of the few items where, you know, you have like baseball cards, watch it. Like, it's one of the things that people actually collect just to collect. So I think that's why the, the fact that the value of these initial drops have, you know, the ones that came out in February dropped off, it doesn't concern me that much because these can fluctuate in prices. And, and there are probably people that are buying these as collector items, not necessarily as speculation and kind of a speculative hype mania. Um, so I do think that the fact that it's a, it's a sneaker um, collaboration probably actually does add a little bit of value there. How much, one sort of one final thought on this, how much do you think um, the investors in Artifact play into this exit here, right? Like, again, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is separate hype from underlying sort of interesting businesses from, you know, any other factors that maybe we're considering, right? Because I think part of our job with this show is, uh, in the time we're living in now is 
separating the hype from the genuinely interesting and good businesses and opportunities so that people can think critically about what they're reading about and listening to, right? Like fundamentally, I think that's one of our jobs. And mm -hmm. when you look at the list of investors in Artifact, right? Andreessen's the first investor. Yeah. Um, Andreessen may be the best venture investors on the planet, like other than like, you know, I would put Sequoia and sort of them in a, in a, in a very small group at the very top. And Andreessen probably more active in the gaming space than just about anyone else so far from the big the big VCs I you know not the pure not counting the pure play uh you know VCs is it is this exit a function of it's an, it's an Andreessen company and they're just really good at manufacturing exits or do you think this is truly Nike w internally having a very clear vision around where they want to go with the metaverse with digital goods with NFTs and this is just part of their roadmap. And we're probably going to see two or three sort of big plays from Nike going forward. I guess this is sort of an interesting kind of bigger question about, about venture capital. I mean, did are you are you asking, did Andreessen pick a good company that did well and then had an exit because Andreessen's <laughs> good at picking companies? Or did Andreessen like hype up and trick Nike into buying this company that they no. invest in? I, you know, I, I think I, I didn't think use that former, word. <laughs> you know, rather than, than the latter, but that's, that's, I guess, a venture, a bigger, broader question on venture capital. Um, no, but I, I think sorry. what's, what it, I'm it's interested not trick, in, in, meaning is Andreessen, the signal that led to this, like it's an Andreessen company. So, you know, it's gotta be good or, or do you think, the, yeah, I, I think that's always the case. There's some validation and they have a network and a network of, you know, uh, strategics and bankers that they work with. So it, it, it is very, if you're an Andreessen backed company, you are going to get certain opportunities that maybe a smaller company or someone with smaller, less known backers are afforded the opportunity to, to be involved with. Um, what I, what I'm interested to see, I didn't really see where, you know, it talked about their developing sh virtual shoes, but did it talk about what platforms it was developing for? Is it just Roblox? Is it any game? Cause it gets back to what we had talked about last episode with interoperability and and it's not clear to me yet exactly where you can wear these shoes you know it's not as though is it only in nike land on roblox is it hey at some point they want to be able to put shoes in any video game anything developed on unity like i'd like to understand a little bit more about the strategy of where you can actually buy and wear these shoes that that brings up a whole other interesting sort of conversation because from my understanding and from what i read uh you can't actually wear these digital shoes anywhere yet, right? They are supposedly developing for these platforms, but today all you can do is sort of have it in your wallet, uh, right? It goes directly in your MetaMask's wallet or whatever. Um, what that tells me, and also the fact that the company was founded in 2020 is, you know, this is a really fast acquisition, right? From startup to acquisition, in essentially a year mm -hmm. um, is incredibly quick yeah. and 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 the product's not fully fleshed out, which again, I come back to sort of does Nike is Nike's strategy really fully fleshed out here? Or is this like, oh my God, we need to make a play. Everyone's doing stuff here, right? Let's let's make a big splash. Let's they're doing shoes. Oh. It makes sense for us. Even though, you know, although again, they had 3 million in revenue from that one drop. So, it, you know, the company's new, but 
I guess the third proven. option, the third potential option is that it's a little bit of, of an aqua hire. I don't think Nike yeah. is feeling panicked. If anything, Nike has been very early to this. So I don't think this is a scenario where we're sitting two years from now and everyone has a metaverse strategy and everyone's on third base and, you know, someone like pick a different company like McDonald's, for example, just comes out and is like, Oh my God, we need a, like, we're three years behind. We need a metaverse strategy. It's like, go buy whoever will take our money. Um, that's not this. Cause Nike is, we just talked about it at the very beginning. I mean, they are incredibly early to this. Um, so it's possible given how early stage this is, this could be an aqua hire could be, Hey, we like this team. We want to bring them in and kind of help. They can help shape our metaverse strategy. So if I had to guess, you know, it, it is um, probably a, a bit of that. Jeff, can we contrast this with sort of the second story here? But I, I really want to lump it in sort of with the first story. And, and that is Nike's major competitor, right? So we've got Adidas here uh, with, a, with a story of their own, with a play of their own. And the headline here was Adidas Originals launches NFTs and buys a plot in the sandbox metaverse. Um, the article goes on to say that uh, Adidas Originals will launch their first NFTs as they dive into Web3 in the metaverse. Uh, it's gonna be a commercial part of the metaverse. Uh, they're gonna market their digital and physical products, and they're gonna be inspired by, this collection is gonna be inspired by and presented in partnership with NFT leaders, such as Board Ape Yacht Club, G Money, and the team behind the Punks comic. Uh, all the NFTs are on sale as of today, actually, the day we're recording, the 15th. Uh, and buyers will receive exclusive access to Adidas Originals experiences and products. So I, I see a, a distinct difference here in approach and strategy, right? Adidas not acquiring a company, right? Launching a collection with an existing platform with Sandbox um, and, and also partnering with other sort of creators and artists, uh, NFT creators and artists in the space, right? So very much, it seems a more community and sort of, I'll call it a less aggressive approach in that they're, you know, working with the existing players. They're, Nike seems to have a clearer vision in terms of like, we want to buy and do something. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you see it that way or if you don't see a difference between the two approaches here. And which one do you think is the right one, I guess? Yeah, no, I think you you summed up the differences um, decently well. It feels like Nike has sort of taken the first, they're, they're a little, maybe a base or two um, ahead of Adidas. I'm not sure I, I necessarily understand the why buy the sandbox land. Like, I, you know, I, I still, and again, maybe it's, um, you know, my naivete towards sandbox and kind of, I, I just feels to me like there's a little bit of, if you build it, they will come strategy in sandbox where I, if I'm, if I'm a, a brand right now, I'm going to the platform Roblox where I know there's 50 million users, daily active users, um, rather than going to sandbox, which, you know, I, I'm not sure if we have an up-to-date daily active user account, but I'm sure it's, you know, a fraction of what, of what Roblox is. So I'm not sure the concept of why go pay to buy this land, which we know actually isn't really that cheap. Clearly for someone like Adidas, it's, it's, it's kind of pennies on the dollar, but it's, it's in the millions of dollars. Like why go buy land there when you could kind of do what Nike did um, and, and create something in Roblox where I think there's just more people in the environment. Um, so to me, I, I, I take Nike strategy. I also 
you know, I, I like the idea of selling the actual virtual goods. You can, you can, um, you could wear in different games. Eventually. I, I'm not sure what the deed is. It seemed more like they're just selling NFTs like digital art versus, you know, actual things you can play in video games. This, this brings up an interesting business model question I've got for you, Jeff, which is, do you, how critical do you think it is? So we talked about Nike, we talked about Adidas, how critical in your mind is it to pair a physical good with the digital good? Like, is this, is this something that, do you see this as sort of a short-term trend that eventually goes away when people recognize the value, the pure value of the digital goods and you don't need, like, is the physical good a crutch or is it brilliant sort of marketing? Is it like, how do you see the, the connection between those two things? And do you feel it's necessary for success? It's definitely an early stage thing. I think you'll hate my answer a little bit because it sort of depends on where we are in sort of the entrance into the metaverse, right? If you take the the sort of where we're all headed is we're going to spend most of our time in, in some sort of digital metaverse and our digital avatar will become kind of that representation of ourself will become as important, if not more important than our physical in real life representation of ourself. Uh, you'll start to see less and less of the physical being tied to the digital because the digital will be all that sort of matters or be more important. However, right now, I think we are a long way from that. So I do think, you know, with a lot of this, there is some element with, with any sort of um, luxury good. And I will say NFTs, they, they function right now kind of as luxury goods. A lot of people are buying these things so they can make it their Twitter profile or they can tell people about it or be part of a club. Um, so there is a lot of this conspicuous consumption um, when you're dealing with these things. So I think tying a physical good to it, saying like, hey, look, you have those cool shoes. Like, oh, wow, you bought that NFT and like, you're one of those people that bought that. It's a conversation starter. You know, like I, I bet Jimmy, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend and uh, colleague, uh, Jimmy from the live stream um, and, the, and the podcast, I, he's like the kind of guy that I could see buying, you know, something like that and wearing those shoes. I don't know if you, you agree on that or my whole point, but yeah. Yeah, I, you know, a big part of me, wants to believe that it's it's sort of a a transitory kind of crutch right like that there's some concern that people won't and, and i don't mean like a lot of the people listening to this and watching this all understand the value the future importance of nfts and crypto and blockchain and all these technologies and how you know i think everyone for the most part who listens to this has really bought into a certain vision of the future but for the mass, for the for the masses, right, for the mainstream, who are still somewhat skeptical, who maybe don't understand the value of of you know ones and zeros of a totally virtual product, like it's most definitely an in, an interesting crutch slash marketing tool, right? To say, look, you're gonna buy the NFT, but you're gonna get a physical pair of shoes. So the thousand dollars or two thousand dollars that you paid is not so bad, right? Like you could in your mind as someone who's maybe not knee deep in the space, justify it. And so I do see it as kind of clever marketing, but I, I think for the, for, for the metaverse to truly be as transformational and revolutionary as I think you believe it will be and I believe it will be, the physical, we can't be tethered to the physical in any way, right? Like it, we can't have the physical be part of that equation. You can't have the trappings of the physical world for the metaverse, I think, to be truly successful long-term. We have to be able to digitize everything. 
everything we do, everything we wear, everything we like, all the facets of humanity need to be able to be virtualized, um, I think, for this to work. And so that's fair. But you need to people need to adopt that. So if this is a way that gets people to start adopting that, I think, you know, we're, we're so early in the game that it's it is a good way to onboard people into this world of understanding these things. I'm okay. Yeah, with it. It, 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 it's just does it teach the right thing, right? Does it is it the right message? Which is like, it, it's not. It shouldn't feel like just an add-on, right? It shouldn't feel like a, a a bonus, like the like the toy in the Happy Meal, right? Like people need to believe this is the Happy Meal, not the toy in the Happy Meal. Um, <laughs> I and, and so. You know, uh, part of me lo loves it because I I'm a I'm also a fan of you know weird. For the record, cool the toy is always better than the Happy Meal. So your analogy <laughs> was a good one, but just backwards. Everyone <laughs> bought the Happy Meal for the toy, not the toy for the Happy Meal. <laughs> um, but uh, let me just sort of it's a good sort of segue to this other article, uh, also a sandbox article, um, where uh, I'll just bring it up here. The co-founder of the sandbox sebastian borgit borgit um basically threatened uh, he says big tech threatens open blockchain-based metaverse um he says a decentralized metaverse is his biggest consideration and must be defended against big tech uh the blockchain-based video game platform has gained widespread attention for its nft virtual land sales with some plots going for millions of dollars so um you know, in this, obviously, they name the uh, Meta, uh, which is Facebook now. They name Tencent. They name Netties, right? Some of these very big tech companies that are building their own sort of metaverse plays. I find it somewhat ironic that the sandbox, which is its own closed ecosystem for the most part, um, is sort of, you know, uh, crying about about big tech well, cornering the market. This is very Tim Sweeney. It's very Tim Sweeney, like, right? Like <laughs> cry, oh no, these people are bad. Come to my version, which is like pretty similar, but built <laughs> yeah. and owned by me, not them, so it's better. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, the reason why I like this article is he's right, right? He's he's absolutely correct. The problem is None of these players, not Meta, not Netties, not Tencent, not Sandbox, not Decentraland, not like no one can make that argument with any legitimacy for the reason you just described, right? Like, so, so who becomes, and there's an interesting philosophical business question here, right? The internet had defense department beginnings, right? And being government were were not necessarily driven by profit and that sort of helped the adoption of certain standards what, is there a regulatory body in your mind that solves this problem do you think the big tech firms get together and solve it jeff do you think you get guys like sure sebastian here firms, i'm not sure the big tech firms getting together and solving it would uh would satisfy what he's saying i i do think at the core of this is his, I think his premise is is a bit flawed. Like if you just pull up the headline, you know, he his the argument that he makes is almost impossible to to dispute. The question that I guess I have for you is, 
does the eventual metaverse as you envision it, or kind of the, if we go call it Nirvana metaverse, whatever the perfect metaverse is, does it have to be open blockchain based? Like it feels like there's a lot of people who are trying to push blockchain into the metaverse. When to me, it's like, they don't have to necessarily be related at all. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing where like people would talk about cloud gaming and always talk about subscription. Cause it's like, well, that's how Netflix did it with cloud street with, with streaming, like just because something like for the metaverse, we don't necessarily need blockchain. I understand that having ownership of items of digital goods is important, but like, I don't necessarily think that needs to be on an open decentralized ledger. I can have ownership of a good if it's in a database that's owned by Facebook. Like I, I you know, to yeah, all, for all intents and purposes. For the ownership of assets. Is my, is my point correct or, or, or am I off base there in your mind? I was with you right till the very end. So I think for the ownership of assets, blockchain makes total sense, right? Because it, it, it's, it's like if you buy a piece of land in Florida, right? That land sale gets recorded in a public ledger that's, you know, the, the government here. It doesn't have to be on the blockchain. Keep, no, but meaning it's accessible by anyone. You know, the government's not going to go out of business. Uh, you know, it's, they're not going to disappear tomorrow. So there's certain safety and comfort that comes with a record being stored in a decentralized way if you're talking about the ownership of an asset. I think for the metaverse capital M to happen in the way Sebastian from the Sandbox is describing here, you really only need like open technology standards, right? Agreed upon protocols and standards so that one can communicate with the other. And I don't think that necessarily at all has to be blockchain based at all, right? Like the, that to me is, if anything, I don't think eventually will be blockchain based. I think the, the solutions there will just be agreed, agreed upon protocols, API standards, whatever, right? So that all of these meta different platforms can talk to each other and interact with each other. The, the bigger question I have from this article for you is, and I think no one's talking about it for whatever reason, is what is the business model that wins in Sebastian's vision of the metaverse here, right? So in this perfectly open sort of standard, standardized metaverse, right? Where big tech is not dominant. How does anyone make money other than through NFT purchases, right? Like other than sale of cosmetics, do we see new business models? Is it subscriptions? Is it I don't cosmetics? Think it's is it NFTs? I mean, it could be, it could be, Hey, you're the company. And, and there's, there's a whole rabbit hole we can go down with like DAOs and kind of how the a lot of these metaverse kind of uh, blockchain plays are creating decentralized autonomous organizations and sort of giving power back to the people. And like, maybe that is where all this heads to me that I, I'm not sure that, that, that we get that far, but, but that is a rabbit hole we can go down now or, or at a different time. Um, but potentially the way, the way these companies make money is that just because they're here so early, they own so much of the land, they own so much of the stuff they own so much. They literally made the money that it's like they just basically either rent the land to people, sell them more stuff, sell them things. So it's just like creating things within that um, because they were there early. They, they have all the stuff to begin with. And then you start parceling it out and you, you know, effectively get fiat for, for giving them goods. But um, I'm not sure that it has to be a completely different business. Like, I don't think it's a subscription model or anything like that. 
Um, so, so you think business models just sort of translate over? You don't think we see completely new ways of thinking about how these how completely open metaverses make money? Why does it? Have, why would it be? I guess different because it's completely open. Like someone still has to. I guess the openness doesn't necessarily, to me, mean anything besides, hey, everyone like that ownership rather than being in a database owned by a company. It's in a database or a blockchain not owned by anyone. Um, but I think like the 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 sort of basic economic tenets of like buying and selling goods would still apply. I think yeah, I, I mean, I've heard the, I, I've heard a lot of people believe that it's still going to be like ad driven, like most of the Internet. Right. That fundamentally uh, all the talk about NFTs and everything else is going to be dwarfed by the amount of advertising dollars, you know, that uh, are going to be, you know, pumped into these new these new worlds. Um, and, I, you know, I could I could make all of those arguments. I'm just curious. But if uh, everything, if we get to a world where everything's digital, it's almost like, who are you selling the ad? You're selling ads to buy digital goods, right? Yeah. So who are you selling the ads to the owner of the platform? There's still, someone's going to buy the digital goods. So you have digital, you'll effectively have companies selling digital goods that I guess are advertising to, you know, whoever owns the platform. But in order for that, in order for it to be worth it for them to buy the digital ad, there would also have to be a digital economy based on buying and selling digital goods no question yeah no question right but but i also believe in 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 this we just talked about it right there's this sort of in-between period where no one's plugging in yet and spending seven days a week in a virtual world and living and working and operating in there right there's no reason why if if we believe a lot of attention's moving there, that you can't you know, advertisers so won't want won't want to be I actually, in front of that. I see what you're saying. I 100% agree. In the early days, you're right. Advertising will probably be a bigger driver. But if we get to this capital M metaverse, by definition, advertising couldn't be bigger than the you know the GDP of, of goods being sold. Like it just fair fair make sense. Um, let's talk about uh, one last story. One sort of another big story this week, and I feel like this is going to become. A recurring theme and i look i think it's our duty to cover it also and and this is from uh venture beat and the headline here gala games and c2 ventures c squared ventures launch a hundred million dollar fund for blockchain games uh they've launched this hundred million dollar fund according to the article to accelerate the development of blockchain gaming it's an alliance between gala games the blockchain game company headed by zynga co-founder eric Schirmeyer. And a new crypto investment led by Chara's son, former head of blockchain investments for Huobi. Um, this is, it says the fund comes after a whirlwind Galaverse event over the weekend in Las Vegas, where Gala Games announced game deals with Will Wright, Peter Molinux, Ember Games, AMC, and Certain Affinity. Uh, and so a lot of big names in here. I mean, Jeff, is this more of the same? Do you see anything unique here? Well- um, I think you hit it with sort of the last sentence you threw in there in terms of a lot of big names. And that's, that's kind of why I picked, picked this story for us to talk about. Um, because frankly, like you said, there are, as we had predicted there every week, there's three or four of these, Hey, XYZ raises hundred million, $200 million fund to invest in blockchain games, which great. That's awesome for the ecosystem. The interesting thing here was, was the names of the people that are getting invested in. I think We've talked a lot about this. It's been a recurring theme, how 
you know, for blockchain gaming ecosystem to really grow and take off, you, you need more people who have experience building great games to actually come build great games that use blockchain as a mechanic um, rather than as a crutch and kind of the whole point of, of the game. So the fact that you see Will Wright, who, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, was created of The Sims, very famous game de designer, um, and the other guy, I forgot his name, but I think he was the Peter guy behind Fable. Um, so, you know, these are kind of royalty item, you know, folks in the industry. I think that is uh, a great sign. You know, <laughs> it's, this, this was an interesting story for me, and I, I didn't expect to see... I think we said on the last podcast and everyone should go listen uh, to previous episodes if you haven't caught up yet. Uh, but I think I mentioned on a previous episode that we were going to see at least three or four of these in the next few months, right? Like the, the, the it was inevitable that I, and I think we agreed that more and more of these were going to pop up. What I, I find, and, and this is sort of my take on these blockchain based gaming metaverse slash metaverse fund or slash metaverse slash web three funds venture funds is you end up with what happened to venture capital in canada in like the mid 2000s and let me explain what happened in in, in canada in the mid 2000s with venture was you had the government that essentially seeded a half dozen private venture capital funds right and that went and raised money. So you had you ended up having six funds in a, in in a certain area in a certain geography in Canada that were all doing tech and that were all managing fifty to one hundred and fifty million dollars, right? And and the result of that was for the next ten years or the next five years, every single half decent tech company that came out of Canada would raise a round. And have every single one of these funds <laughs> invested in their round, right? Like, because to put together, you know, five million or six million dollar round, you would need a million from the, well, this guy and a million from that guy, mm -hmm. and and you know, always three to four out of the six funds would be in every single deal, decent deal, right? And I feel like the gaming funds went down that path. Now the blockchain-based gaming and and metaverse funds are going down this path where. There's still, as for all the excitement and hype and my conviction that this is the future, there's still a limited number of good deals. And every single one of these funds, they're all going to be in the exact same deals, right? And so if you're an LP and you're looking at the space, like that none of them start to feel or look any different is my concern, right? Like, But it, the question I have, I guess, Paul, then if you're an LP, if it's it sounds like then the answer is you can go to any of them or none of them, but like, wouldn't it still be better if you want exposure to go to any of them? So I guess I don't sure. understand from an LP's sure. perspective, why is that bad? But how do you make, how do you make that decision? Right. When they all look the same, feel the same for the most part are invested in the same deals. Are then focused, it's even easier. Like, You're I, just betting on the space, right? <laughs> You're like, well, I either want in or not. I mean, I no, get, I, I get, I see your point. Like you'd like someone to be differentiated and better, but I guess if it's such a niche where it's like they're all the same, then the answer is it's a zero or one question. And like, then you just Fair. make a choice if you want in or out. But I, just I think, think your they're... overarching point is you'd rather like bigger funds come in and kind of have, you know, just more players. Like, is that is that kind of what you're saying? More or players, more players of varying size, right? Not just yeah. all hundred million dollar funds, but some fifty and some five hundred, right? Yeah. So that you you can see companies through their life cycle. But also just like innovation, because I think with Metaverse, Web3, 
all the themes we discuss, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, to think different about how venture is done, whether it's more of a venture studio model, whether it's, you know, a part of 10% of your fund is direct investments in, you know, crypto assets themselves or something, you know, something that's anything that's different or innovative. I would mm -hmm. love to be able to, to, I would love a story that comes out and talks about that. Uh, even if it's just part of the storytelling, because all of them are starting to feel way too similar to me. And uh, again, I don't know if that's just because there's so much hype that everyone jumps in without sort of thinking through completely the model, right? If you can go raise a hundred million and just by saying you're a blockchain based gaming venture fund, right? Like why make the extra effort? Yeah. Um, but I do think, I do think it's something to watch. Like if we start seeing four more funds like this, all exactly the same, um, I, I think we need to have a sort of a serious discussion as an industry to say, what does that mean for the companies in this space? So I was going to say, then we should start a blockchain gaming uh, company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I> was, <laughs> that's true. That is the lesson here. Um, Man, that went fast. That flew by, Jeff. We, uh, that's, that's all we have for this week, guys. Just uh, two reminders. These episodes come out every single week. They drop every Monday or Tuesday. Right now is the schedule we're going with. Also, if you love like metaverse-themed content, make sure to check out our sister podcast, Meta Woman, hosted by Lindsay Poss, who uh, is a, a co-host on the Business of Esports, which is maybe how you found this podcast. If you didn't find this podcast through Business of Esports, Definitely go check out Business of Esports. Jeff and I make some great content there, especially the Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. live stream, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time live stream. But uh, we're going to continue to put out meta business podcasts every single week. Jeff, thank you as always. Everyone loves the juice. Uh, everyone Thanks, loves everyone. hearing the juice every single week. And, Reach out, uh, give us some feedback. Yeah, would love, would love feedback on how you guys are liking the show. And we will see you next week. Thanks for watching this episode of Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also make sure to leave a review if you love the content. This is a Meta TV series, the world's first and only media platform focused on metaverse content and themes. So make sure to follow all of the other Meta TV social channels for more shows just like this.